Welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Debbie Desmond. Father God, we just pray that your word, we just, we open up our hearts right now to your word. For your word that is living and active. We just declare that too. Your word is living and active. And that as we hear your word today to us, that it will bring about life, freedom, and work in our lives to bring us into all that you've called us to be in Jesus' name. We ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, this morning, what I want to talk, uh, speak about is um, on significance and glory. <laughs> um, you know, who hasn't felt at some point in their lives to co- feel compelled to prove their worth? Anyone? <laughs> or you, you, you feel like, <laughs> um, you know, feel compelled to, 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 to somehow um, show your value, um, to somehow gain honor um, or glory for yourself, or to excel at something so that you feel significant. How many of us have felt like that at some time or the other? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking everyone here. <laughs> um, and as Christians, we often fall into this trap to prove our, uh, our worth, to, to prove... Um, that we're significant, despite the fact that we all know the truth, that we are already valuable and significant. Do we, do we know that? As Christians, we are significant and we're valuable. And, but yet we walk out of here and maybe not very much longer into your, you know, into your day, into your week, you're going to f- maybe feel the compulsion to, to try and prove that at some point or the other, right? Um, and like, so this is quite a dilemma for Christians. And so that's what I want to speak on, this dilemma that we find um, inside of us because somehow as Christians we still get duped by this lie that we are not. Um, and if you believe a lie about yourself, you will act accordingly. So, you know, you can have um, a mental, you know, you can... Uh, agree with the truth, I'm significant and valuable. But if you're living something else out, somewhere in your heart, you don't believe that. And you've believed rather another lie. And depending on what you believed in your heart, not, not, it doesn't say if you know it in your head, it's what you believe in your heart. And depending on what you believe in your heart is what you're going to live from and how, what you're going to live out of. Um, okay. And, you know, this is like always been there in mankind, right in the garden um, of Eden. The devil was enticing man to be like God. He said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge, of you will be like God. Did God say to Adam right in the beginning, I've made you in my image? That's the first picture he saw of God. Man already knew he was made in the image of God, and yet the devil managed to deceive him. 
to try and get something on his own which he already had. You already valuable. You are already valuable. You're already significant, and yet you still feel compelled to try and grasp that for yourself, even although you know, in your head at least, that you are significant and you are valuable, right? Um, but what the devil tried to do there, he was trying to say, because he kept on saying, "Did God really say that if you ate, da da da, da you know?" What he was trying to say is like, you know what? He was trying to get them to move away, like to, move, to, to not believe what God has said and to doubt it, to doubt it. And we, and, and so there were these two trees in, in the garden and we have the same choice every day in our lives, just like Adam and Eve had, of whether we're going to be enticed by the devil to try and attain something on ourselves apart from God. You see, what, what happened in the garden is um, man decided, the devil deceived man into trying to attain a autonomous, to be like God, to be autonomous apart from God, separate from God. He was going to get this God-like state. He was going to become like God. Because if he disobeyed God and he reached out for that fruit, he was going to do it apart from God. He was going to become like God. You understand what I'm saying? Am I making? He was pursuing the God life for himself and becoming autonomous. Okay? So we have that same choice every day of our lives. We can trust God and what he said about us, abiding in his union, receiving. God's life by faith, the free gift of God's life and who he said, it's a gift, a gift of God. By faith we receive it. And faith is that, that we believe it. We believe I'm going to receive this God life. It's a gift. But the other choice before us is if we would pursue that God life on our own. We become autonomous. We separate from ourselves. And on our own, we feel compelled to go after that God life. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's the choice that every one of us have every single day. We can choose to believe what God has said about us and receive it by faith, that free gift. Or we have the option to work for our value and our significance, etc. I'm, I'm talking in this area of our life, the area of value and significance. The tree um, was supposed to give them the knowledge and discernment to determine their own dominion, their own glory, their own holiness, their own utopia, okay? The knowledge didn't, however, give them the power and the wisdom to attain it. And so what happened is, is that they, you can see throughout the history of mankind, man reaching for this God-like life on his own, apart from God. And then what Jesus did, and I'm not going to go into that, it's a long story, he came so that we could have, again, received by faith that free gift that we don't work for. Just like animals, we don't work for it, we just receive it by faith. By faith, that means that you believe it. And then whatever you believe, you're going to act out of that. So um, when Adam and Eve chose to be autonomous, 
they separated themselves from God. And at that moment of chosen separation, the glory of God that they enjoyed was ripped away from them. And then they were now naked of the glory of God. Because beforehand, they had God. They were clothed with God. He was, he was, they, they didn't see themselves apart from God. Now, they were going to do everything apart from God. They were going to take that on their own. And when that separation came, that the glory of God was ripped away from them, and they were naked. That's why they suddenly became self-conscious. They became aware of how they don't measure up to God on their own. They didn't have the ability to measure up unto God. But, you know, they were made for that glory. We were all made for that glory. And suddenly now we are naked. We haven't got that glory and we want to cover ourselves. And so mankind, and all of you have experienced in this life, this, this, this absolute compulsion for that glory to cover yourself again. You know what I'm saying? With that glory, that value, that significance. I'm valuable. I'm significant. You, we all want it because we're wanting to cover our nakedness, our not enough. You know, I'm not enough. I haven't done enough. When, when, you know, we want to come to that place that we were all created for. It's an internal um, knowing that we should have it. And, and that without it, we're naked. And so we spend our lives trying to grasp this value and this glory that we were made for. And we find we're never able to attain it because it, we can't. We're not God. <laughs> um, that's why they were separated from the tree of life. But Jesus is the tree of life. And we can now partake again of the tree of life. But what is it? It's that God says it's by his grace, he's given us the gift of eternal life, his God kind of life, his righteousness. His, our filthy clothes have been taken away and we've been given new clothes. The Bible says that we now, in Christ, can share his glory. In Christ, as we come into union again, in other words, we're not going to, and this is the whole Christian life, we're not going to live our lives from ourselves on our own, trying to attain righteousness, glory, this beautiful, amazing, perfect life, whatever that looks like to you, on our own. As Christians, we've decided we have died to self. And now we are joined with Christ. And there's this union. And in that union, the Bible talks about being clothed with Christ, right? There's that scripture that says being clothed. And so again, in Christ, we are clothed with glory. But it's a case of what do you believe again? We're, we're still, because in the, in the garden, we still have that same choice in our lives of whether we believe in the free, every moment, the free gift of what God has given us in Christ, or we can do it on our own and achieve it on our own. But what do you believe in your heart? Because the Bible says your life flows from out of what you believe in your heart. So we don't want to be these people who are striving to do something, continually to, to, um, to um, cover our nakedness, to, to find a glory, to show our significance. We want to clothe ourselves with Christ, his 
what his said, his glory. You know, in union, we partake of, which I find is amazing, we can partake of his honor, his glory, all of what he is, everything that he has. Because we're in him, we partake of it. It's like you can have it. So it becomes ours. But it's a case of, are we going to say, I, I believe that and I receive it. I enter into that union. I enter into that. I, I'm already full. I'm already complete. Um, <clears throat> if you have union with Christ, you're already full and you're already complete. You're already valuable. You're already significant. And then you live from that fullness. Um, you, and, and as a result, you can live from um, in a place of contentment, not this constant striving inside of you, because, you know, it's the shift, and the shift is a shift in your heart of faith. When you put your trust, a deliberate decision to put your trust in God and what He has said and what He has done, or whether you choose to make, to do it on your own. That's the difference. So you're going to strive for your own glory, or you're going to say, I am already valuable. I'm already significant. I already have glory. I'm already honored. And then you, then whatever you do flows out from that place of fullness, rather than me on this side, when it's me, I'm striving for something. You understand what I'm saying? So it's very important for us as Christians to take note when we're feeling insecure and anxious, not safe, not enough. Like you're feeling that anxiety to prove yourself, to, to, um, to be significant, to grab some glory, to have some position, to be able to, um, um, to, to feel enough, to feel basically to cover nakedness. Immediately when you're in that place of anxiety, feeling insecure, remember that is a moment to take note of the fact that you have obviously been disconnected from your source. You have slipped from faith, <laughs> okay, of what Jesus has done. And at that moment, you immediately need to repent. Repent means turn around and reconnect into your source. Because otherwise, you are going to be vulnerable to the spirit of the world. You see this all over the world all the time. And you're going to start partnering with the lies of the enemy, that you're not enough, that you're naked, etc., etc., that you need to add something to yourself. But I want to tell you, when you're feeling that you need to add something to yourself, that means that you have believed a lie. So take note, because you don't want to be vulnerable to the spirit of the world and to the enemy working in your life. Think of Ahab. Ahab wanted Naboth's land. <laughs> and he sulked because he couldn't have it. And who came along to help him get it? Jezebel came. And she sorted out Naboth so that he could have the land. He wanted, because I want to tell you that when you're, 
I don't, I'm sure you have found it, um, and you can see it everywhere around you, that when you're trying to gain, to cover yourself with glory, to, um, to get significance and value and honor for yourself, how many of you found it's very elusive? You, you try and you try. It's never enough. It's like it, as soon as it comes in, it drains away. When, when will you have enough money? When will you have enough position to feel valuable and honored? When will it be enough? When will you have enough friends? When will so-and-so treat you like that? When will it? No, it's never enough. It never is enough. You will never achieve it. You will constantly, from this moment till the day you die, you basically, what you're serving is, a, is, is an idol, and that idol will whip you and beat you, and you will be the slave for the rest of your life, and you will never get what you are reaching for on your own. Think of Jesus. Jesus came, his whole purpose was to make the kingdoms of this world the kingdom of his God, right? In the temptation, what's one of the things that Jesus, the devil, told him? I will give you all of this if you just bow down and worship me. And that's often, it's the same as Naboth, he wanted something, and there was a, oh, Jezebel, I'll give you it, you know? There's always someone who's like, oh yeah, there's, there's, those things that we want to give us value, significance, and, and glory, that when we're feeling insecure because we feel naked, except we want to cover ourselves with the glory that we were, were created for, there's always the devil saying, I, I can get that for you. But I want to tell you that the devil always takes more than he gets. Um, yeah, than you're going to get. And he will, the deal that you strike with the devil is definitely not going to be in your favor. You know, and I mean, you can see it again and again. There are so many times in the Bible where we can see, you know, this self reaching out, the selfish ambition reaching out for this glory and the enemy exploiting that and making it. And we see it in the world all the time. The world is so empty of assurance of their worth and value and significance that they're constantly in a state of anxiety. They're pro constantly propping their value on so many different things, trying to justify their worth. Um, and if anyone is exalted, they feel immense internal insecurity and anxiety because they feel measured and shown to come up short. And that we often can be subjected to that spirit of the world. It's an earthly wisdom. Um, James 3, um, verse 13 to 18 says that there are two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good con conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom, or that could be wisdom's meekness. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from, the, uh, from above, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, peaceful, 
gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and, in, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's these two, these two wisdoms that it speaks of here. The one is the wisdom, um, wisdom's meekness. And that word is in the Greek, protus for um, meekness. Okay? And I'm just going to read a definition of that. It's also translated in the Bible as gentleness, which is, it, it actually, that word, meekness, gentleness, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's also sometimes translated as humility. Okay? So in the Old Testament, the meek, I'm just going to read this definition of what meekness um, um, means. I, I love this definition. It's in, in the English Standard Version. The meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend themselves against injustice. Gentleness and meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trusting God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. So meekness, I love meekness, it speaks about completely relying on God and not self. That you are fully trusting God and not self. And how you live your life as a result of that. What, you know, the wisdom, wisdom's meekness, how you live your life if you live in meekness versus how you live your life in self, the opposite is selfish ambition and jealousy. That's um, in um, James 3, it describes envy and selfish ambition as a counterfeit wisdom. And so the other, the other way is to completely trust yourself, selfish ambition, okay? Um, and so the, there's the two options again. Rely and trust in God or do it yourself. Yeah. Make it happen. You feel compelled to do it yourself. What, the one is self-dependent and focused, the other um, is God-dependent and, and um, focused. Galatians 5 speaks of the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Let's see what's there again. Um, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what's contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. It's not often that we, you know, I, when I read this again, I thought, oh, that's so interesting um, because it's not often that I think of selfish ambition as, as one of the um, works of the flesh. That is contrast because it goes on to speak about, well, let's just go on here. Um, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. So here again, in these we have basically, it's again just like in James, distinguishing between these two. Um, jealousy and selfish ambition is in the works of the flesh, and, um, and meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. And there's these two things again, to know, like, you know, when I'm feeling 
uh, that selfish ambition rising, or you see someone have something that you want, <laughs> you know, and you're starting to feel jealous because often the reason why you do is because you're feeling like you're not enough and you want that to make you something. You know, that, that, that is somehow going to make you something. But in meekness, we trust the Lord that in him we are full. We have everything we need. It's a very different starting place. Um, so um, selfish ambition and jealousy have access in your life when you're in the flesh. When you're living according to your old nature. When you're doing it by yourself. When you're, it's, it's you who's doing it, apart from God, okay? Um, where you're striving for fullness, significance, or security. Um, but if you're already in union with the Lord, if you're already, um, you've received that gift of life through him, then you're already full. You're already significant. Amen? Um, so I've, I've spoken on this quite a few times, but again, for me, the big thing is, I think, for, for us, because we can know all this, but then how do we live it? How, how do we get from, you know, I'm, I'm finding like, yeah, I'm going after these things again. And, you know, we come to this place where we, we're exhausted of going after finding these glories for ourselves. How do I shift to this side? How do I, how do I, how do I live, actually live out my life without doing these things that I, like Paul says, I don't want to do them. How do I do them? Um, and for me, um, it's, it's, again, it's displacement that always works. It's, it's whether it's, you can partner with that spirit, which is demonic. That's what James 3 says, selfish ambition. Or you can partner with the Holy Spirit who gives the, his spirit is meekness, trusting him. And you see, the thing is, it's not, not trusting God for this position. Or not, I'm not saying that you can't trust God for a better position at work. But if it's to get your significance and your glory and your, and your value from it, that's not a good thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, um, so we, our trust is that we have all those things already. And if God gives us a position at work, et cetera, et cetera, it's for his kingdom and for his, it, it's not, it's not going to affect our value because we are already valuable, right? <clears throat> Matthew 6, verse 27, I was just, I was reading this a while ago and I felt it was so um, apt still for, for this, in this situation. It talks about Jesus. He said, I tell you the truth. Do not worry about your life. Um, if uh, and, and it speaks about him clothing um, the ground and how he provides for all of creation. And he says, if that is how God clothes, clothes the, the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. And I was thinking about the, really what this uh, scripture is saying. is like, you know, just look around you. See how God is the provider. And you don't have to worry about finding your food, etc. I mean, obviously you're going to work, but know that God is so 
um, wants to provide for you and wants to provide for you well. So you don't have to, so don't worry about that because, because I, if your assurance is this is fully taken care of, then you can focus on what God wants you to do. Because it's like, remember I spoke on work? Work shouldn't be to gain, your, to, to, to gain prosperity to, in the sense of um, to provide for yourself. You should know God has already provided for you and you're going to work because that's who he's created you to be, right? And so you can seek his kingdom because you already know you're provided for. In the same way, one of your greatest needs, because you were created for, for value, worth, etc., you, you need those things. It's the deepest part of you. Everyone needs to feel worthy and valuable and significant. God, they are key needs. They're not something that you don't need. That's a lie. You do need them. You need all of them. It's just where you find them, right? And so in the same way, God has shown that he provides, he has provided to, to reveal to your worth so amazingly in so many ways all the time, but specifically through what Jesus did on the cross. Um, and so you, your worth is proven. Your worth is, so, you know, this is the scripture that I like to think about. It says, um, how much, um, I'm going to try and quote it now. Um, if God, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, I can't quote it. <laughs> if God gave his son, how much will he give you? How, will he not give you all things, any, everything that you need? I've, I've completely messed up that scripture, but it's like that. If God was willing to give his only son, so if God, There you go. That's better. So there's so in the same way as he said this about God's provision, he's saying, like, you know what? You I've given you everything. You you do not have to go and find your significance, your value, your 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 um, honor out there. I have given everything to you. And if you believe that and you don't worry about that, feel anxious about it, to have to prove it, then again, you can seek his kingdom. But you're not going to be self-seeking. You're not going to find that selfish ambition coming up because you know you've already got it, that he is your provider in that area of your life. So that verse can say, in this case, he could say, so don't worry saying, how can I gain success? How can I be significant? How can I gain value? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father has already provided them for you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that all these things um, you already have from your heavenly Father. You are completed in Christ. Do you know that you will never, you can never find perfection and wholeness apart from him. You will never find it apart from him. And I want to tell you, it's a lie. If you, you think, oh, I'm just, I'm, the more you strive for it, the more you realize it's just um, an illusion that you can get it on your own. It's never going to be enough. We have to come and surrender to God and say, Lord, yes, I trust you that you have given it to me already. Um, so again, we're at that place of a choice. And like I said, um, the way that I believe for us to, as Christians, to walk out of that is to, to constantly be 
Um, you know, let me put it this way. I've, I've used this analogy before. Um, I know my husband loves me. And so often he'll tell me, daily he'll, daily he'll tell me, I love you. But there's moments that I can stop and just actually receive that love, receive that hug. Um, otherwise, it can actually just wash off. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and sometimes maybe um, I found sometimes I don't necessarily feel worthy of love. I don't I'm, I'm like, you know, and so he can tell me, I can remember this one time in my life, he told me I love you, and I thought, like, but why? You know, but why? You know, and, um, and so he said, so, and I, I went through this, and I sometimes, at the same time, I was thinking about it with God, you know, I want to know why, <laughs> you know, why would you love me? And, um, and there was this moment when I just realized, like, I, I, why can't I just accept it? Why can't I just accept it? Why can't I, he tells me, and I just, instead of having this thing of I have to prove why he would love me or why God, why can't I just accept his, that he loves, why can't I just accept his word that he loves me? Why do I have to, you know, figure out why he loves me? Wait, he just loves me. Can I just accept it? So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to accept it. Man, that felt really good. Um, and I think it's with us as well. Um, we're so used to our, our whole the world system. We're in this thing of you need to prove your worth. You need to um, reach for honor, position. They, you know, show your significance. The whole world system is set up like that. I mean, school systems are set up like that. So, so we're it's like ingrained in our brain. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, to to get out of that mindset, it means that you know one. Um, even when it comes to God's value and acceptance, it's, it's like we want to know, well, why am I valued? There's still that thing inside of Well, it comes by the first thing is making, sitting down and making that decision. I believe you, Lord. This is who I am, and I receive it by faith. It's really by faith. It's not, you're not going to spend time figuring it out. and No, because God said it, and I receive it. And it's that moment when you say, I believe it. This is the fact of the matter. I'm sitting, you know, and I, I remember <laughs> sitting down and saying, okay, this is it. I'm, this is it. And I mean, I've done it since because sometimes that little thing creeps up again. Just to say, no, this is the truth and I receive it. And the, then the process of receiving. That moment where you still, and you just say, Lord, I receive your free gift. of what, the, you know, your value. I receive your value that you place on me. Um, I receive the fullness that I have in Christ. So I'm going to, I'm going to just go through, and because I don't want to go through it and then go through it again with Ukraine. But what I want us to do to end off is I'm just going to go through a couple of statements that we're going to speak out and take a moment to receive. Because there's something about saying, Lord, I accept your estimation and your declaration of my worth. Okay, I accept it. And then there's that moment where I receive it. And we take a moment to receive it. You're going to do something like that. You good? Yeah. Okay. So, 
So you're gonna, are you going to just read um, after me? I mean, read after me. I'm going to read it. What a pronoun. You can repeat after me. We can all repeat it. Okay. So, and, and these are just some declarations, and we're going to stop at certain places when I say. Okay. So, <clears throat> I am not tossed around by changing opinions or evaluations. Trying to define and judge my worth. I have no need to be anxious. Striving and reaching for significance. Honor and value. I'm already full and complete in Him. I am secure in God's love. His sovereignty. His eternal evaluation of my worth. I receive your love, God. Let's take a moment. Thank you. I receive your evaluation of me. Now receive it. You are the sovereign rock. I am confident and sure in you. I align my view of myself with yours, God. We're going to take a moment just in our hearts to let that solidify. I accept your definition and valuation of me by faith. I am safe, guarded and protected by your word, which is truth and sure. I receive your word. I receive its protection. Just receive that declaration. Take a moment just to, you know, you can see it however in your mind, just receiving the God's word over you and your worth. I'm aligned and decided with Christ. I am beyond, I am beyond doubt. I put my trust in you and what you have done. I receive your gift of righteousness and fullness in Christ. In union, I partake of Christ. I partake of his love. Receive it. I partake of his success. Receive it. 
I partake of his favor. Receive it. I partake of his honor. Receive it by faith. I partake of his sonship. I partake of his fruitfulness. I'm fully complete in him. My performance isn't something that defines me. But I'm already defined by God. Knowing I'm already full, already valuable. And I work out around me what God created me to be. I reflect his image to the world and it's a joy. I will never be more honored than I am now. I will never be more valuable than I am now. I will never be more significant than I am now. I will never be more loved and accepted than I am now. I live from fullness. Father, we just want to thank you that we can rest in your finished work. I just ask that you would enable us to accept your word, your truth on this, that you would fill us so full of your word, your word that is living and active, that our lives would be different from the world around us, that there would be a peace and a contentedness that meekness that comes by your spirit in us. Because we know you have fully provided everything we need. We trust you. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Debbie Desmond. For more information, please visit nigeldebbie.org.